Hey guys, it's time for Nina's Got Good News. Nina's a former TV news gal who used to share all the news. Now, as a mom and small businesswoman, she wants to share only the good stuff. It's time to brighten your day. So here's your host, Nina B. Clark. Hi everyone, this is Nina Clark, your host of Nina's Got Good News. Thank you all for showing up and listening to this movement. I hope everyone is doing well. I know this has been quite the year. So I really do think that staying positive and finding some good news right now is more important than ever before. And that's always been the mission of this podcast since I launched it back in 2018. So welcome to podcast number 78. Today's episode is very timely since many of us are working from home these days. The stars were aligning when I set this episode up and it all came about to be dropping this week. Timing is everything. As we enter September and a whole new school year that looks very different than years past, timing is everything, as I said. So my guest today is a time management expert. That's right. Laura Vanderkam is an expert in time management, productivity, career development. She's also an author of several books. She's also a fellow podcaster. Her brand new book is called The New Corner Office how the most successful people work from home. I am all about this. This is going to be so helpful for all of us today. We all need all of your advice. So welcome to the podcast, Laura. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, well, I'm so excited. Like I said, timing is everything with this episode. And I just like, I feel like this is going to be a therapy session for so many of us because so many of us need your advice right now. But before we get to all of that, just first and foremost, like, how are you doing? How's your family doing? I know you're in Pennsylvania. So give us kind of a status update on what's happening in your house. Yeah, well, we're hanging in there. Um, It's been a different past few months than we anticipated it was. I have um, five kids who are 13, 10, 8, 5, and a baby. So the baby's had no experience of anything but this quarantine, basically. Um, My older children are all starting school virtually next week after Labor Day um, from when we're recording this. And my five-year-old is going to be doing an in-person kindergarten program. We're very excited to be sending him somewhere that is offering in-person classes. Um, So that's what things are looking like for us, just getting the last few days of summer here. Yep. And you're working from home, like... As I have been, that's the, what you do. I have been for decades, but yep. um, it's it's more. My my husband has, is one of these people who started working from home basically on March twelfth. I think that's roughly when everyone did, uh, and has had the experience now of six months of working from home for the first time in his life. Uh, so it's been interesting to watch that play out. Good thing. Yeah, and you're probably space. giving him all. You're giving him all your tips and tricks. So um, that must be really beneficial for him to have you as the expert, as his wife. So give us the pulse out there, Laura. What's the pulse out there of people working from home and all the research you've been doing since you're the expert? Would you say that mostly everyone is still working from home or more and more people going back to work? Or what's the pulse out there right now? It's really in the middle right now. Um, In March, there was a fascinating poll that found that in the middle of March, about a third of American workers had ever worked from home. And by April 1st, that had gone up to 
you know, over 60% had worked from home at some point. I mean, we had a crash of people work from home for the first time in late March this year. Some people are starting to go back. There are some businesses that are reopening. You're definitely seeing rules changing places in terms of, you know, gyms and, and restaurants, but many of those workers were unable to work from home in the first place. The corporate universe is a little bit different. A lot of people are just playing it by ear. And they're noting that many parents don't have reliable childcare at this point or their schools aren't open reliably, so they can't necessarily come in. Um, you're seeing some big corporations like Facebook, Google, Microsoft saying, okay, we're just going to say work remote for the next year. You know, so you can sign a lease somewhere else. You want to go live somewhere. You've always wanted to do that. Now you don't have to live right by headquarters. Um, so I think over the next few months, it'll be in flux a lot. But I think ultimately many places are going to hit on a new arrangement. That in the past, much work could be done remotely, but people didn't because it was perceived as being unambitious or you know, managers felt a little bit like, well, people just watch Netflix or something. So we can't have this happen. Um, in March, we learned that yes, in fact, much of this white collar work can be done from home. I don't think many places are gonna be 100% remote in the future because there are definitely upsides to working together in person. On the other hand, it's hard to argue that you can't work remotely. And so I think a lot of places will hit on a solution of maybe two to three days per week in the office, two to three days per week at home, or maybe one week a month in the office and the rest at home. Yeah, because I feel like we've all kind of proven to bosses everywhere that it is possible to have success working from home. So um, I think it is going to be interesting this year to see how it all plays out. Um, and in your research too, Laura, have you found that people that are work, who work from home, do they tend to be happier people overall? They do. Now, it's hard to know for sure because all this happened in a crisis. Um, and so you've got a confluence of factors like you would be happy, but your kids are home from school. So you feel like you're not getting anything done and you're worried about relatives health or, you know, the safety of going out and about and grocery shopping. It's hard to tease those things out from just working from home. We do know that before March, um, people who were working remotely a couple days per week were in fact happier and more engaged in their work. Um, it, the engaged part is interesting. You can imagine happier. Nobody likes to commute. But being actually more engaged in your work is, is something you might necessarily expect when people leave the office. But uh, it turns out that when we work from home, we can often work how we work best, work how we work most comfortably. And that keeps people a lot happier. Um, there's been some research finding that of people who have been working from home for the first time since March, um, a majority have said they would like to keep doing so. So, you know, now that cat is out of the bag. So we'll see how this all plays out. Yep, we're putting it out there. We like working from home. Um, and we like when our spouses and partners work from home too. It's, it, uh, it, helps, it helps the mom load. I'll say that that, that has really been helpful for, for us in our house. So, okay, let's dive into some of your tips. So first and foremost, Laura, if I'm going to be thinking about my new corner office working from home, um, where should our new corner office be? Like, what's the best setup in your home to be productive in a home office? What would you say? Yeah, so when people started working from home in March, a lot of people just grabbed the first flat surface they could find. And so if you had a kitchen table and a chair, you're like, hey, I need a table and a chair. And so you may have plopped your laptop down on the kitchen table and not really thought about it, except that now, you know, people are walking by left and right all day long. You're feeling pulled in a million directions. If you're doing this long term, 
you want some space that is a little bit more set apart from everything else. And I know not everybody has the luxury of a dedicated home office, though if you do, great. And you know, if this is gonna be happening long-term, maybe you want to move somewhere where that could be a possibility. Uh, but for now, find a space that has some natural light and has a door. And if it needs to be your bedroom, that's okay. Um, you just come up with some solution to maybe not see your bed during the day and not see your workspace when you're trying to sleep at night. Um, but make sure you have a chair that isn't going to hurt your back. Um, make sure that your table is big enough to accommodate what you need to put on it and is at the right height so that your neck and your eyes aren't straining. Um, kind of work things around, see if you can get a little bit more comfortable. Uh, but it's, it's really worth investing in your productivity. Uh, if you're doing this long term, you need good tools. So make sure that you have them. Take this as your little nudge to go figure that out today. Yeah, I also like lighting a candle. Things like that always make me feel good when I'm getting down to working. And um, I love all those tips. And it is true about the chair. Because I remember my, my husband, when he first was working from home, he had a, a terrible chair that he was using and he was like, this isn't going to work. We needed better chair. So the chair is very important because it was giving him like back pain, which none of us want during this pandemic. So what's another good tip in terms of being productive? Would you say that is it like, is your, mo is your best tip to be simply work at the time where you're most focused? Like for me, I'm really good in the morning. So would you say like, Nina, if you're really a morning person, you're going to be most productive. Focus on the morning and then forget about the afternoon. Or what's like your best tip for being successful? Well, you, you want to match your most important work to your most productive time. And if that's mornings for you, and for a great many people, it is in fact mornings, then you need to figure out before the day starts, like what are my top priorities for the day? How can I make sure those are scheduled for the hours when I am on top of my game? You know, I am ready to conquer the world. And then keep the stuff like the status meetings, the low key phone calls, the email checking for those times when you have a little bit less energy. So maybe the afternoon or, you know, later morning for people who are real morning people. Now we can't always make that work. Like it could be that your boss keeps calling that status meeting at 9.30. You're like, that's my best time. Don't do it then. Um, but you sometimes have to go along to get along. Uh, but any day that you can control it is going to be a win. Um, because, you know, we, we have time, but we don't have an infinite amount of energy. What about a routine, Laura? How important is it to establish a routine, to keep a routine and, you know, set a routine? How important is a routine? For many people, a routine is incredibly important. Um, it helps us manage our energy through the day. That if you know, if you generally start work around a certain time, you generally do certain sorts of work at that point, you generally take a break when you wind up feeling like you need a break. Um, you generally end the work day in a certain way. This can help you mark the time and move through the day with an appropriate amount of energy for different things. That said, you can be a little bit more flexible with it. In an office environment, there's a certain time when people are expected to show up. There are group norms about when it's acceptable to leave. Uh, and people tend to follow those. And even very progressive offices, like you won't get fired if you do it differently, but there's enough of a pushback that people tend to follow these in-person group norms. And the good thing about working from home is those group norms are largely gone. And that can be challenging for some people. They're like, well, I don't know. It's hard to feel like I need to be productive when I don't see anyone else working. But you can get over that, right? You can train yourself to say, okay, well, here's another signal 
that I want to be in work mode. And here's another signal that I am now out of work mode. Um, and you might be able to shift your hours a little earlier or a little later. You might be able to spread them out. Some people have success with working a chunk in the morning, taking a longer break in midday, and then doing a big chunk in the afternoon or into the evening. Um, but you can experiment and figure out what rhythm works for you. Or also if you want to switch it up, like maybe Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays are, are meeting heavy days. And Tuesdays and Thursdays, you try and tune all that out for a little bit and have wide open swaths of time so you can work on deeper projects. Okay, now one of the things that we have in common is we love lists. So I know you like doing lists. So give us the scoop on how to be, how to make a productive list and not be, you know, not do a super long list where not all of it's going to get done and then you feel guilty and then you feel bad about your day. So give us the scoop on how to do a, a really good successful list. Yeah, I think a lot of people make some pretty big mistakes when it comes to to-do lists. I love to-do lists. I think that they are a great way to figure out what you are supposed to be doing to do, right? So that's the whole point. Um, but people make very, very long to-do lists that have no basis in reality and in the amount of time available. And I think people think this shows them to be ambitious people. No, it doesn't. It means that you have horrible time estimation skills because there is absolutely no virtue in putting something on a to-do list and then not doing it. Like it's just as not done as if you never put it on the list in the first place. Only now you feel bad. Now you feel like a failure that you didn't get to the stuff on your list. So better to look at the time available, ask yourself what is most important for you to do, make a list of those things that match to the time that is available and keep your to-do list to that. For most people, it's only going to be about three to five things a day outside of, you know, the appointments that they might have scheduled. And that's fine because if you get through three to five really important things per day, you are going to make a lot of progress. One of the inter people I interviewed for the New Corner Office book um, gave a wonderful analogy, which is that she thought of her to-do list as kind of a Ferris wheel. And you think about the carnival Ferris wheel, there's a certain number of cars at the top at any given point. And she would think of those as her top priorities for the day or a certain period of time. And then once you do them, then you can shift. And then there's another few things at the top. And then you shift and there's another few things at the top. And maybe, you know, in a certain number of weeks or days, you revisit the things that you were doing previously. But this answers the question because when people I say, well, I can't have three to five things on my to-do list. I have way more than three to five things going on in my life. Of course you do. Everybody does. But you get to those three to five things in turn and then spin the Ferris wheel again, get to another three to five things. And that way you keep making progress. Right. And then you feel good. So then you're like, you, you get through those things and then you're like, I'm ready to conquer more. And then I yeah. always feel better. Right. Well, ideally your to-do list should be a contract with yourself. Yes. That once something goes on the to-do list for the day, you are guaranteeing that you will get through it. And people say, well, life comes up, stuff comes up. Of course. And that's why you keep it short <laughs> because that way you can get through it. Even if some big emergency arises and that, that allows you to feel this incredible sense of progress. Yeah, that's so good. Um, now, Laura, how often do you think we should be taking breaks? What is your research and what are the studies say? Well, in general, you need a break when your energy starts to flag. Um, and then you need to do something that will add to your energy level. From what I can see, uh, if people plan their breaks well, you can usually do three during a, roughly an eight hour workday. That tends to be one in mid morning, 
a lunch break, and one in mid-afternoon. They're all important. I would say the one in mid-afternoon is probably the most important because that's when most people's energy is at its low point for the day. And if you don't take that break, you're like, oh, I'm powering through, I'm getting everything done, you know, I'm gonna do my 20 item to-do list today. You know, around three o'clock in the afternoon, you, you start reading the same email six times in a row, like somebody sends you a social media thing, you're like, oh, let me click on that, I'll just pop over to Facebook for one minute, and then you know, you're on Facebook for 45 minutes. And what's happening is that your brain needs a break. And if you don't take a real break, it's gonna take a fake break. So you're so much better off proactively planning in like a 20 minute break in mid afternoon where you do something that you know will add to your energy levels, like going for a walk, calling a friend, getting outside, but do that and you actually save an incredible amount of time because you don't fall down these internet rabbit holes that can consume hours if you're not careful. Okay, well, you're, you just set us up right into my next question because this has been a struggle for me. I feel like my ADD has been like on just times a thousand lately. So how do we handle the distractions, right? We want to be productive. We have our list. We know, you know, we have our little spot, our little area in the house to work. We're feeling all good, but then there can be just so many distractions. And next thing you know, what's happening so how do we handle those distractions how do we block them out is the best way to like put your phone on airplane mode or do not disturb or you know do you tell your whole family like do you put a sign on your door on your office door do not disturb like help us with distractions because i know so many of us feel this yeah, well, there are, those are all great ideas, but distractions come in a couple of different varieties. One are some that we just cannot control. So for instance, if you have really young kids and you're just trying to deal with this, um, that can be, they are gonna distract you. Like you need to have a time when somebody else is in charge of them to do things that cannot be interrupted by them, right? So that's one thing. Um, but there's also distractions that are self-imposed. And some of those come from having low energy, right? So if you are not monitoring your energy through the day, planning and breaks, you will get distracted. Um, you want to match your most important work to your most productive time, so you're less likely to get distracted. You want to define your work well. One of the reasons we get distracted is like, you've got something that says, you know, write Jones report. What, what does that even mean? Like, that seems like a big thing. I don't know if I want to tackle that. But if you're like, okay, list you know, work we have done in that area, you know, for previous clients. Okay, that's a step. <laughs> now, you know, figure out the right person to address this to. That's a step. You know, put copy introduction from previous successful report. Okay, that's a step. Like, you know, well-defined work can let you feel less distracted. You'll be more focused during that. And then finally, I'd say, you know, the problem with some work from home distractions is usually not Netflix. Like, you know, professional people do not get up and watch Netflix in the middle of the day because it's there. Like that just does not happen. Um, but what does happen is that you're working on something and you're like, hey, did I get the meat out of the freezer for dinner? Right? Or I'm sitting here at my kitchen table working and oh, look, there are dishes in the sink. Let me just go deal with that real quick. Or, oh, I hear the ding from the you know, washing machine. Let me go put the stuff in the dryer. And then you wind up distracted. You wind up pulled away and you know the house will never be clean. So you do something else while you're up there dealing with it. And you're gonna lose what would have been focused time. So instead, I tell people keep something I call a later list. Um, just you know, a piece of paper next to you while you're working. If some thought occurs to you of something that you would like to get done or something you need to look up or a task you need to do, just write it on that list. And then when you take a break at some point, like you take an actual chosen break, then you can go get the meat out of the freezer, then you can go move the clothes to the dryer, then you can do all that um, instead of interrupting your work time. 
Oh, that's such a good idea because I love lists. So I'm going to start the later list because yeah, you're right. It's actually the laundry that usually gets me or the dishes. So um, that's exactly what happens. So Laura, let's talk about community because this is something I'm so passionate about. Um, I love working as a team. I love community. So I feel like, you know, how do you foster community when you're working from home? Um, I just feel like, you know, are you missing out on that social interaction? Like, how do you, how do you grab all that when we're all working from home? How do we make up for that since we aren't right now all in person doing it in an office? How do we foster that community and that team, that teamwork idea? Yeah, well, there are lots of ways to be social when you're working remotely. And, and the first thing I will say is that long term, this is not going to be an issue because very few companies are going to wind up being 100% remote. So when people are like, well, we shouldn't work from home because we can't socialize. Well, okay, not, you won't lose that much in terms of socializing if you're working from home two days per week and you will gain a lot in terms of productivity. And then you can make those days in the office far more social, right? Like, Because then you know those are the days that you're supposed to have that longer lunch. You're supposed to grab coffee with a colleague. You're supposed to you know, schedule your happy hours for that day. And, and so, but it's not always a possibility. People tend to be a little bit more um, conscious about it. But that said, even if you are working remotely, there's lots of ways that you can socialize. Um, for starters, I think any meeting can start with a few minutes of social chit chat. Like people are gonna do it anyway, that's just human nature. So what you need to do is to build it in. Say, you know, three minutes at the start of our agenda is all about the socializing. And then, you know, then we get down to business um, and that allows everyone to have their say. Um, you can also do social gatherings, um, but they need to be facilitated. Like they need to have somebody in charge. They need to have a point to them. Back in March, you saw a lot of the Zoom happy hour thing going on. People are like, well, we would have gone out for drinks as a team, so now let's all make ourselves a cocktail and sit in front of a screen with boxes of 10 other people staring at me. That is not fun. Like, that's one of the reasons people have such Zoom fatigue. Like, this is a horrible happy hour. It's like having bad Thanksgiving where you got 10 people at a table trying to have one conversation. Like, it doesn't work. Um, so you need to have small groups. You need to have them facilitated. So something like a book club where you all discuss a book together um, and somebody's leading it. Or you have an art teacher come on. You ship art materials to all your team members and you get on and you all paint something together. Or, you know, you hire a, a performer, a pianist to play a small concert for you and then teach you a little bit about what she's doing. But those are far more useful social interactions when you're doing stuff virtually. Yeah, that's a great way to have that community built in. But I love the, the three to five minutes in the beginning of, of, the, of the meeting to have that social time because people tend to miss that. You know, they want to know like, what's happening in your house? What's going on with you, you know, and your kids? And it's good to have that time. So that's super important. So Laura, I like to focus on some good news So on this podcast. So tell us, how can we make the most out of this situation? Meaning like, how can we use all this to our advantage and maybe, you know, maybe advance in our careers or just how can we make the most of this time when we're working from home and, you know, maybe something really good might come out of it? Well, one thing is that you might wind up with some extra time. And I know not everyone, like some people have intense caregiving responsibilities that they are dealing with right now. But um, if, if you, for instance, had a long commute, and now you do not have that long commute, that's time that maybe you could use to exercise or to spend time with family or to make healthier meals or get outside and all these things that probably got short shrift in the past because you were stuck in your car during them. That's definitely something you can do. Um, you can also take it as an opportunity to learn how you work best. 
Uh, you have these opportunities when you have escaped from group time norms to experiment. Um, and maybe you find that you do like shifting your hours earlier or shifting your hours later. And if that is the case, then by all means, experiment, figure out what works for you. Uh, and then you can take those lessons in the future when you're moving forward. Uh, the other thing I would say that working from home gives you an opportunity to do, when you work in an office, you invest a lot of time in your immediate colleagues because they're there, right? So you're, you're networking with them, if you want to call it that. I mean, you're just with them all the time. You have coffee with them, you have lunch with them, you work with them. And that's great to build those close relationships, but people tend to neglect all their other relationships because they are spending so much time with their immediate colleagues. But there are other people in the world who are professionally useful to you. I mean, so if you are working from home, take the opportunity of being away from those group norms to say, okay, well, I'm going to stop work at 3.30 today and go meet somebody else interesting for a walk or to have a long phone conversation with that person if you're social distancing. Um, but to build your network more broadly that way when it doesn't have to just be your immediate colleagues. Yeah, that's such a good idea. I love that. I'm all about the networking. So that's a great idea. So Laura, how do you, how do we mix things up? Meaning, you know, sometimes I'm like, what's the difference between Tuesday and Friday? All the days blend together. Nothing's different. So how do you mix it up so that you still know what day it is and you keep things interesting and it's not so mundane, meaning, you know, how do you change up Tuesday to Friday? How do you well, make it? You can plan many adventures into life. And some of my other time management work that I've talked about in the past, I found that when we say, where did the time go? What we're actually saying is, I don't remember where the time went. And the reason you don't remember it is that everything is the same. But in order to get around that, you need to make time more memorable. And there are a couple ways to do that. One is to put something novel or intense into any given day. So, you know, you're going to remember that day that you're pitching something to the CEO, right? That's different. Um, but you'll also remember a day that you, um, you know, went and for a walk in a sculpture garden that you've never been to as a break during the day. And so come up with a couple of these little adventures that you could have in your life. Uh, try putting these into your schedule. You know, you need a break at some point, so you may as well do an interesting one. And if you do this, then you will have a memory of the day. And when you can remember a day, then it doesn't disappear into this time void. And you don't say, where did the time go, when you can actually remember where the time went. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. So this is something I struggle with, Laura, boundaries, right? How do we set boundaries when we're working from home? Um, you know, whether it's, you know, work-life balance or just, you know, the never-ending Zoom meeting. I mean, how do you set up boundaries so that we can all be more productive? Well, I think there definitely need to be boundaries because when you're working from home, it can be very easy to keep half working long into the evening um, because there's no forced stop. Uh, nobody likes to commute, but commutes force you to have some space between work and home. Like you are going to leave the office at some point. You are not going to sleep there. So it is, has to happen at some point, but that, that's not the case when you're working from home. You don't ever have to leave. And so lots of people just kind of half work and half surf the web into the wee hours and, and you're not getting much done, but you're not really relaxed either. So it's kind of the worst of all possible setups. So, you know, come up with some way to end your day. How do you know the day is done? I challenge people to manage their days by task rather than time. So if you've crossed everything off your daily task list, guess what? The day is over, 
right? You can end whatever time that happens to be. Um, if that's not really working for you, you can also come up with some sort of fake commute on the end of your day. Maybe that's you know picking kids up from school or daycare or sending a sitter home. Um, maybe it's walking a dog, maybe it's running an errand. Um, it could be calling a colleague to say goodbye, calling your whole team to say goodbye. Um, you know, writing your to-do list for tomorrow, writing in a journal, anything that shows you, okay, this ritual says my day is done. And if you still find this challenging, um, I would suggest putting something in your personal life that forces an end to the day. Um, so when I was first working from home a great, great, great many years ago, before I had children and all that, so there wasn't, you know, somebody who had to eat dinner <laughs> forcing me to end at some point, I would, would do this half working and half surfing the web into the night. And what I wound up doing is joining three community choirs. And that way, three nights a week, I had a rehearsal that I had to get to. Like my voice part was expecting me and don't have your soprano, it's a problem. <laughs> so you have the commitment to get there. And it would force me to stop working around 6, 6.30 and made me much more efficient. Yeah, so even if you like joined a running club and every, every, every day you guys were meeting at 6 p.m. to go running, you have to show up. So it's almost like an accountability group in a way, right? I like that idea a lot. That's so good. Um, are you still singing, by the way, Laura? Um, well, no, I am. I, I, I love to sing. I joined my church choir a few years ago, but we're on hiatus right now as we've yeah. learned about coronavirus spreading and singing perhaps being one of the higher spreading events. Hopefully we'll come up with some way that we can continue when we, and life will get back to normal eventually. Yeah, well, let's hope. Let's we're hoping that's sooner rather than later. But let's talk a little bit about the book. How you know you've already written books on time management. So where did this idea come come about? Was it just all of a sudden with the pandemic you realized very quickly that everyone was needing needing more of your advice, or where did the idea come from for you? Yeah, so you know when this pandemic happened and people were suddenly working from home. Um, my I have a podcast called Before Breakfast that I do through iHeartMedia and the producers there came to me and said, well, you know, we have a lot of people expressing interest in work from home content. So do you think you could produce some of that? And so we decided to launch a podcast called The New Corner Office and then realized this would be a good, um, my publisher and I realized this would be a good thing to put out as a book as well. Uh, so I had to write it very quickly. Uh, we did not start until after this pandemic happened. People were like, oh, how, you know, how wonderfully convenient that you had this material already written and then the pandemic happened. No, 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 no. I wrote this book in like a month <laughs> and then got it out. And uh, yeah, but a lot of people are just like, I mean, you can replicate what happens in the office. The technology is there to replicate it. But I really feel like working from home gives us an opportunity to innovate rather than replicate it. And so I wanted to share some ideas from my work, from lots of other people who'd been running distributed companies for years about how they work both productively and ambitiously from home, that it doesn't have to just be this like work-life balance perk, you know, that are for, for people who want to take their feet off the gas for a while. Now you can actually really build a big career. Like you can build your empire from this new corner office. And so that's what I wanted to get at. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I love the book. It's been really helpful just reading through all, you just have so much good content in the book. So it's super helpful, whether you're new to working from home or you're like me and Lauren, you've been doing this so long time, but you still need all the help. Um, now let's talk a little bit about all your podcasts as a podcaster and you have a couple different podcasts. What would you say? Do you feel like podcasts are on their way up? Are they growing more during this whole crazy world that we're in right now? Do you think the podcast world 
you know, I feel like there's still so much growth and opportunity in podcasts, but I'm curious what you think. Well, I think there's definitely more growth and opportunity. And if you've been thinking about starting a podcast, I would suggest doing it now. Um, I think a couple years from now, it may be more saturated, but there's still a ton of space for new people to come in. It's really still on that growth curve at the moment. Um, a lot of advertisers are really just figuring it out that they can affordably reach a very targeted audience um, in often in ways that they can't just get past it <laughs> in, in ways that you figured out with other medium. Um, so, you know, it, there's a little bit less, you know, there's a growth in podcasts. There's a little bit less of automatic time to listen to it since people aren't commuting as much these days. And a lot of people were listening to podcasts on their commutes. Um, but again, that will change. Uh, people will commute, you know, maybe not as much as before, but that will still be there. But there's also other things. People listen to it on the treadmill. They listen to it while folding laundry or cooking dinner. It turns out there are a lot of moments in our days where we'd be kind of bored um, but we still need to use our hands and our eyes <laughs> so we can't pick up a traditional book. Um, and, and so it's the same thing. There's been a huge growth in audiobooks, for instance, um, because that can also solve that problem of needing something to keep us entertained and informed, um, but needing to keep our eyes and our hands doing something else. Yeah, I love Audible. So what about social media? First of all, how can everyone find you? And then I'm just curious, like, what is your favorite channel these days? What are you loving? What platform are you loving? Well, I'm on everything pretty much. Uh, Twitter and Instagram is at LVanderCam. Facebook, it's Laura Vanderkam author. Um, I blog too. I have a website, lauravandercam.com, where I blog a couple times a week. Like, as, you know, talk about a previous medium that was high. <laughs> you know, it's kind of fewer people blogging now, but that's okay. I still enjoy it. Um, so you can come see me there. I don't know. You know, it's, I probably like everyone, I feel like I spend too much time on social media and I should spend less. I, I've enjoyed, um, probably Instagram more than a lot of other places of late because I love looking at beautiful pictures. And if you curate your feed well, you can more avoid stuff that um, is less, you know, I've, I've just tried to tune out a lot of negative news and stuff. And so my Instagram feed can be more home redesign and dollhouse furniture and beautiful flowers. And that makes it a little bit more uplifting. Yeah, that's why we love good news these days. That's why it's so good to have you on this podcast today. So Laura, how can people find your book? Tell us where to find your book. Well, uh, the New Corner Office is available as an ebook. That was part of getting it out very quickly. So anywhere that you might purchase ebooks, so that could be Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, many independent bookstores can also do that or borrow it through your library. Um, Audible as well is available as an audiobook. But if you want links to any of this, just come to my website, lauravandercam.com, and you can get the information there. Great. And we'll have all the information in the show notes of this episode as well. So Laura, thank you so much. Congratulations on the book and all the podcasts. And just, I can't even tell you, just you really help me. And every morning I listen to your before breakfast. It's like a five minute podcast. You have so many different good topics that are just really helpful. I find, especially for me as a working mom, working from home, juggling all the things now that we're all juggling these days in this crazy world. And just want to say thank you so much for helping so many of us. We really, we really need your help now more than ever. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really enjoyed our time together. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to my mom's podcast. Remember, you can find Nina's Got Good News on iTunes and Spotify, also on Google Play, Stitcher, and Outcast. And now we are also on Pandora. 
please be sure to subscribe. Also, rate and review all her podcasts, too. And be sure to share it with a friend. The mission of this podcast is to get better together as a community in the audio space. Please follow my mom on Instagram. Her handle is Nina B. Clark. Don't forget, Clark has an E at the end of it. For now, I'm Blaine Clark. Thank you again for listening, and let's just keep being awesome. XOXL.